Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Revolution. So glad you're here. Um, also, as always, we're glad to have all the folks who listen online. We're glad you are wherever you are. Good to be in your ears. Um, yeah, usually I have some sort of banter, but I don't really have any. I'm trying to think of what happened this week. Friday the 13th. Yeah, uneventful. No tattoos. Which I was bummed. Because Friday the 13th, some of the tattoo parlors will do tattoos for... Or yeah, but then they make it with a tip. $7 tip. I saw some one place doing it for $31. But you usually get a little crazy tattoo that says 13 or some weird thing that you go like, why did I get that? So I had one that got tattooed and then tattooed over. Because so <laughs> it was so tiny. Just lost it. Um, took my kids to the beach. That was fun. I'm still getting used to the the beach in Minnesota. That's uh, going to the lake and the tiny beach. <laughs> so, but yeah, my kids love. My kids are both Minnesotans, so. They love it. My wife had my son in, we had him in a hat, a long sleeve. I don't even know what those long sleeve shirts are for. I don't know if they're for like not burning them or, (laughs) yeah, swim shirt. I need a swim shirt. I think I'd be more comfortable in a swim shirt. I don't like having my shirt off. So, (laughs) um, yeah. So we he swim shirt and a life jacket and was covered from head to toe in sunscreen. So he was well protected. Mom was winning. Um but yeah. So also going through a little depression lately, which has been tough, but I share that with you guys cuz I think we are all human beings here and I think it's important to share our struggles with one another. And um, so if you're a prayer, I definitely could use them. If you're a good viber, I could use those too. Or if you're just thoughts. <laughs> I'll take your thoughts. It's fine. Um, yeah, so there's that. But anyhow, I'm... Um, I'm trying some new things, trying some, uh, about to take a class on meditation and what I eat and things like that. So that should be exciting to see what happens with that. You know, medication's good too, but now I'm going to try the natural way, which I roll my eyes to the natural way a little bit. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, acupuncture, right? (laughs) (laughs) But my wife is like, try it. You're going to try it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to try it. 
not the acupuncture because my insurance doesn't cover that. But the other stuff. So today we're going to talk a little bit about Jesus' need to, to go to places. And uh, why well, I think it's pretty cool. So we're going to start off with uh, in Luke, Luke 19. Yeah, Luke 19.1. It says, Jesus entered into Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was one of the most influential Jews in the Roman tax collecting business. Now that's important to remember, the tax collecting business, that he was important there. And he had become very rich. It was uh, Being a tax collector for Rome seemed to be an easy way to make money and an uh, easy way to become rich. Because you could usually, you could take more than the taxes that were owed. And then, you know, you could take up to half of people what people earned. So you could make good money doing this. And you were also seeing to your own people as a traitor because you were collaborating with Rome, which Rome was occupying territory. So you were living in occupied territory by Rome. And if you were a Jew tax collector, you were seen as a traitor to your own people. And this is our Zacchaeus. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowds. Now this is the New Living Version, so this is uh, paraphrased. But in some other versions, it just says because of his small stature. And you never know, really, if it's talking about his small stature or Jesus' small stature, which I always thought was interesting that maybe Jesus was uh, not a tall man. Um, but he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was short, too short to see over the crowds. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree. Does anybody remember that song about Zacchaeus? Yeah, that's, yeah. Some evangelicals in the house. What up? You did? Okay, wow. So it was, went across denominational lines. It unified us. We could all sing Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Oh, thank you, youth teachers. Sunday school teachers, wherever you are. Um, so he climbed up a tree, sycamore tree, beside the road, and he could so he could watch from there. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, and he called to him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. And this is the part that I find interesting. He goes, for I must be a guest in your home today. For I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the crowds were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. This seemed to be a thing that followed Jesus quite a bit, his need to be guests with notorious sinners. 
the crowd that he kept. And that's one of the things that keeps pulling me back to Jesus is his need and his want to be friend of people who did not fit in. And this guy was like, people were upset, but not because it was like, you know, oh, he's a pirate or something, but because he was seen as a traitor to his own people. And so Jesus really did hang out with people who were controversial, that were despised. So this man was despised amongst his own people as a traitor. And this is who Jesus says, I must be a guest at your house today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement. But the crowds were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have overcharged people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a son of Abraham. And I, the son of man, have come to seek and save those like him who are lost. Now, if he's seen as a son of Abraham, he's seen as a son of faith. So it's not saying because he gave his, what he had to the poor, because he gave back to the tax people he'd swindled that he was saved. But he was saved because of his faith, because his faith to believe in Christ. So, just like Abraham was a father of faith. Um, for Jesus to also be a guest at Zacchaeus' house was to say, I want to build a covenant with you. I want to build a relationship with you. I want to build a friendship with you. So, this wasn't just like saying, oh, I'm going to just, you know. That's why people were so indignant when Jesus ate dinner with the wrong people is because he was saying, I want to be identified with you. I want to be counted amongst you. I want to be part of who you are so when jesus when it says jesus made himself of no reputation it literally meant he had no reputation you know he was known as a drunkard and a worst and a friend of worst kind of people that's our lord and savior can i get an amen <laughs> amen <laughs> um but back to jesus must have been a guest he said i must be a guest uh, i'm going to turn over to john Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard Jesus was baptizing, making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself did not baptize, his disciples did. So he left Judea to return to Galilee. Then it said, he had to go through Samaria on the way. Once again, Jesus must be a guest at Zacchaeus' house. And here he had to be he had to go through Samaria. Most Jews would walk around Samaria because on their way to Galilee or their way to Judea, they would walk around Samaria because Samarians were despised people. And they weren't seen as community. They were seen, I mean, honestly, they were considered, I don't even know how to, to put this, but they were considered half half bred because they were half Jewish half Gentile so they weren't seen as whole people and Jesus saw them as whole people why because he had to go through and we'll see this in a second eventually he came to the Samaritan village 
and Sakir near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Would have you been seen inappropriate for Jesus to be speaking to a woman alone? But Jesus had to be there. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who I am, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. In this very deep well, where would you get the living water? And besides, you are, are you greater than our ancestors Jacob who gave us as well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his cattle enjoyed? Jesus replied, people soon become thirsty again after drinking this water. But the water I give them is taken away thirst altogether. It becomes a perpetual spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me some of this water, and then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to haul water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you are living with now. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist? Now, this is interesting because a lot of people go like, look at this woman that Jesus is talking to of ill reproach. Problem, probably the more likely why she's had five husbands is because she was unable to have children. And so she was seen as not barren so when she couldn't have a child she was left and another husband came along she was not child so that's more than likely what was going on here is that she was someone who was unable to bear children now another interesting thing about this is that she's there in the afternoon time getting water when usually crowds would go together the community would collect water together usually go in the morning and go together so that gives me the idea, and this kind of gives the idea that she was an outcast, that she didn't belong, that she was seen as an outcast amongst her own community because she was going in the afternoon to get water. But don't you find it curious? I mean, I find it curious that this is when Jesus had to go through Samaria. This is the person Jesus had to talk to just as he had to be a guest at Zacchaeus' house. He had to... to, to to find this this woman at this time at the well. And at least that's what I believe. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place to worship while we Samaritans claim it is here? You can see more politics in, in here. In Mount Grism, I obviously have the worst pronunciation for Bible names. Where our ancestors worshipped. Jesus replied, Believe me, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father here or in Jerusalem. 
You Samaritans know so little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For our salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming and it is already here when the true worshipers will worship the Father and the Spirit and the truth. The Father is looking for anyone who will worship him in this way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So, I mean, radical stuff he's revealing to this 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 woman he's he's given her radical information about the changes of that are coming you know it doesn't matter it's not about place or time it's doesn't matter it just matters you're in the spirit it just matters you're where you pray it's just that you pray you know and revealing these great mysteries to her and You've got to imagine if you yourself are in this position, you know, where you're feeling down and out, you're feeling like you don't belong, you're feeling like an outcast, and all of a sudden this prophet, this person who seems to know so much comes and says, you know, is telling you all these things. And it it gets even better. The woman said, I know the Messiah will come, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Now, mind blown right there. You're there in the middle of the day, trying to get your water, trying to be left alone, you know, tired of being an outcast, probably. And then the Messiah decides to show up and ask you for water. You're a tax collector, a notorious tax collector, because, heck, you're wealthy, so you're one of the most successful tax collectors, traitors to society, you still want to see the Messiah, and the Messiah stops and calls you by name and says, I want to be a guest at your house. You know, don't let this get lost on you, that that who Christ is calling out to. You know, so who in our time would Christ be calling out to? Saying, I'm going to go to your house. Would Jesus go up to the Trump supporter who was climbed up in the tree and said, today I want to have dinner at your house? (laughs) And I say that because mostly if you come to this church, you're probably pretty liberal. (laughs) And Trump supporters are probably the ones who you have the hardest time with. And that may be the one that Jesus says, all right, Bubba, I'm coming to your house. (laughs) Sorry, that was bad. (laughs) I'm coming to your house today to have dinner. Um, my dad's a Trump supporter, okay, folks, so I'm allowed to talk about Trump supporters. It makes for interesting, interesting family time. Um, so he tells her, I'm the Messiah. Then Jesus' disciples arrived, and just a few minutes later, and they were astonished to find him talking to a woman. So with Zacchaeus, we have the people are astonished and and, 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 and displeased that Jesus is a guest, having being a guest to Zacchaeus' house. Here, we have disciples who are going, what is he doing talking to a woman? But none of them asked him why he was doing it or what they had been discussing. 
the woman left her water jar beside the well and went back to the village and told everyone, come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus to eat. No, he said, I have food you do not know about. Who brought it to him? I love the disciples. They're, they're just a sharp bunch. The disciples asked each other, Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know, I know a lot of people go, Well, I go to church to get fed. You know, I like to read a book so I can get fed and get nourished and blah, blah, blah. And Jesus, when he talks about being fed, Jesus talks about giving hope to the outcast. That's what he's talking about getting fed. Giving hope to someone who doesn't feel like they belong. From someone who may be left out. That's where he gets his nourishment. Not from saying like, I'm going to go to the synagogue and get my nourishment on. You know, he's saying, no, I get it from finding someone who may not feel like they belong by sitting with someone who other people are displeased with, by giving hope with someone to, yeah, just giving hope to somebody. And he says, do you think the work of the harvest will begin until the summer ends four months from now? Look around you. Vast fields are ripening all around us and are ready now for the harvest, which he's talking about people. The harvests are the harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit of the harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits the planters and the harvesters alike? You know the saying, one person plants and someone else harvests. And it is true. I sent you to harvest whether you, did, whether you didn't plant, others had already done the work and you will gather the harvest. Many Samaritans believe. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because of the women because of what the woman had said. He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay to village. And so what did Jesus do? He stayed for two days. He was moved with compassion and stayed for two days, long enough for many of them to hear his message and believe. Then he said to the woman, now we believe, then they said to the woman, now we believe because we have heard him ourselves, not just because of what you told us. He is indeed the savior of the world. Um, so it's not just the story of the good Samaritan or the hated Samaritan if if really how it should be um, that Samaritans are are used as a prime example of what we should be or what we should do but Jesus puts his feet in his mouth and his life to work by going into the Samaritan village and saying I want to be with these people these are my people there are no outs. There are no thems. There are no tax collectors. There is no sinner that is, you know, there's no, between sinners and saints, there's not these differences. I've come to call people. Matter of fact, if you think you're a saint, that's probably going to get in the way. If you think you're good enough, that's probably going to get in the way of our relationship. Mark. One of one of my favorite verses. 
I think I say that every Sunday about a verse that I read. <laughs> this is one of my favorite verses. Okay, I don't know if this is one of my favorite verses. It is. I don't care. I've got a few favorites. I've only got like 10 favorites, probably. But since I preach the same sermon almost every Sunday, it's easy for me to say favorites. He says, Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that gathered around him. Oh, I'm in Mark two thirteen. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphas, sitting at his tax collection booth. Another tax collector. Come be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Now, Levi is Matthew. So, you know, we all know the disciple Matthew. Jesus sees him at his tax collection booth. He's in the midst of collecting taxes. And this is, a, Jesus walks up and goes, You, I want you to follow me. Now, rabbis did not go out and search for followers. For They usually waited for people to come to them, disciples. Disciples that come to them and say, Rabbi, can I be a disciple? And they would usually turn them away three to four times and say, No, go away, and see if they were really serious about it. And uh, Jesus is doing the opposite. He's coming out and reaching out to the people saying, no, I want, I want you to be my disciple, <laughs> you know. And I once saw a play, and it was the trial of Judas. And it was one of the witnesses was Matthew. And Matthew talks about Jesus, meeting Jesus, and saying, you know, up until this moment, everyone looked around me. No one wanted to look me in the eye because of my tax collecting, because of what I did, because of what of the power that I held to take away people's possessions. And he said, for the first time, someone really looked at me, really accepted me, really showed compassion towards me. And that's something that I'd never felt before. It was a beautiful play, and this was a beautiful moment in the play. Um, that night Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to be his dinner guest along with his fellow tax collectors and many other notorious sinners there are many people of this kind amongst the crowd that follow Jesus but with some of the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with people like this they said to his disciples and this is why I like the New Living version of this one he says, why does he eat with such scum? I like that. When Jesus heard this, he told them this. So this is what the religious people are saying. This is the religious people of his day are saying, why does he eat with such scum? Why does he identify with these people? Why does he continue to do this? Who does he think he is? And Jesus heard this, he told them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call sinners, and this is important here, listen to this, not those who think they are good enough. Not those who think they're righteous, but those who know who they are. You know, in Romans, it's all sin, all fall short, God of glorious standard, but yet God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty. We know who we are. There's an estrangement there. You know, you can see sin is estrangement and estrangement from God. And we all have it. We all fall short. 
last week, I think it was last week, we talked about no one is good. You know. And uh, not those who think they're good enough. And the reason why no, no one is good enough. All fall short of God's standard. But yet Jesus declares us not guilty through what Jesus has done for us. Jesus, friend of sinners. Um, you know, once again, what do we have here? We have displeased people. We have an outcast situation. And we have Jesus saying, I must be, Jesus, you must follow me. I must be near you. I must be a guest at your house. I must go through Samaria, you know. Jesus' need to constantly call out to those who are the outcasts in societies. And I hope what we can learn from this is that maybe there's a need for us to be that. You know, there's no us and them, and that there might need be uh, a need for us to call out to them, to those who are those people, (laughs) you know, like... You know, maybe there is a call for us to reach out to those people, to see our enemies not as enemies, but to see them, as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, as as victims of misinformation. We talk a lot about loving others here and loving your enemies here. I did a podcast, you know, and someone this this past week in the question was well how do you love your dad you know how do I love my dad (laughs) well easy he's my dad you know but it's also doesn't the bible call me to love people I disagree with you know well your dad your dad likes your dad you know is a Trump supporter and your dad believes that the end of the world's coming and he's selling buckets of food for the end of the world and how do you not, yeah, do we have arguments? Yes, we have arguments. But at the same time, I wanted to be a grandfather to his two grandkids. I want to love, I want to love people. If the Bible has taught me anything, it is to love others and to love the other, to be inclusive, truly. And it doesn't mean now I just let these, the other do whatever they want and step all over other people's rights and that I don't stand up for that. No, of course not. I've spoken out quite a bit. But it's also saying that the people doing that, I don't allow them to become my enemy. I don't allow them to take me low enough so that I hate them. I don't allow them to take me to a place where I ostracize them or I allow them to be a them and me to be an us. You know, we're called to love each other. And that's a hard road to to take. It's a hard thing to die to your flesh daily and love those folks. And I have to believe that Jesus growing up the way he did probably wasn't, probably struggled to reach out to the tax collector. Probably struggled. I mean, did you ask, see how Jesus treats uh, at one point tr- treats a Gentile, the Gentile woman who comes to him and says, you know, 
can you help me? And he goes, what do you think I've come to call the dogs? And she goes, even the dogs get the crumbs from the table. You know, Jesus had a moment of, of being intolerant. But you know what happens is Jesus was moved with compassion and goes, your faith has made you whole. That's a tough one to take. That's a tough scripture to think about that even Jesus showed intolerance. And it's true. Or at least it's in the Bible. It's a tough one to swallow, though. But then we see things like Jesus going through Samaria, and we see Jesus calling Matthew, and we see Jesus calling Zacchaeus. You know, you see Jesus doing these things. You see something different there. And that's something that I love. And I hope that we're all encouraged by this and find it in our hearts to... uh, to love the other. I'm going to say a quick prayer real quick. A quick prayer real quick. <laughs> it's going to be a super fast prayer. It's already over. Um, Lord, I thank you for your mercy and your grace. I thank you for your compassion. I thank you for your love for others, and I ask that you'd help us to do that as well as to love others, to see others in the way that you did. Help us not to fear persecution or help us to have the strength to reach out and to love and to listen and compassion to be who you've called us to be. Just ask for your will. And thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Real quick, before we we sign off, um, Revolution's a nonprofit, and we survive through donations. So if you're listening online and you'd like to support Revolution, you can go to uh, revolutionchurch.com to our Tumblr link, and you can click on the donation button, or you can go to... uh, our Facebook, Revolution Church Facebook, and we also have a donation button there. And uh, you can support us there if you like what we do. As always, we'd much rather have you than your money, so please don't think that, but this is just one of those necessary things that you have to do when you're a nonprofit and how you raise money to stay going. So with that, I'd like to thank you all and uh, say that this is Revolution Church.